0: The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and visual teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. I'm My name's Don. I'm your holiday pastor. <laughs> this is Columbus Day tomorrow, I guess, so there's a... <laughs> Every day is a holiday when I'm with you. It's all yeah. So we are doing um, a number of scriptures that are the foundation of our Christian faith. As you have gone this last year, I think there's forty of them. And today we're looking at John 14:6, and you probably know it by heart. But we're gonna we're gonna just kind of practice it a little bit just to see. Okay. So I want you to repeat after me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life no one comes to the father but by me you did good with that i'm gonna tell you a little story i don't have, i don't know if there's any c.s lewis fans out here are you familiar with the chronicles of narnia anybody read it i, I love that i when i was in seminary um, we're going through this. the first year. was Greek class and all these big theological things. I couldn't even pronounce the words, and it was all this heavy stuff. And then we had Christmas break, and we had a little house in Indiana that Lori and I lived in. We had no TV, so it was like, what are we going to do? So I went out and bought the Chronicles of Narnia and, uh, and just read them for two weeks, and it was like, this is, this is I mean, adventurous and fun and, and um, exciting and all that kind of... And then, and then there's a little spiritual barb to all of them, and... I fell in love with the Chronicles. And then when our kids were young, we read the Chronicles of Narnia to our children, bedtime stories and through the night or whatever. And and it really kind of just caught a hold of them so that at least two of the three will tell you today that C.S. Lewis and the Chronicles of Narnia especially are like their favorite reading. And so um, I can't wait to start reading with our grandkids. Right now, um, they're still kind of like, A little young for that, but um, I'm gonna tell you my favorite one out of the silver chair. There's two people that are the main characters a gal named Jill, a little girl named Jill, and a boy named Eustace Scrub. Isn't that a great name? Eustace Scrub. Some of you young young moms, you might consider Eustace as a (laughs) name for a, a child. Eustace had actually been in Narnia before. And, and by the time they get to this volume, they're up on this cliff, these high mountains, and they look down to this deep canyon, which is so deep, they can't even see the bottom. I mean, there's just, all they can see are clouds down below. That's how high up they are. And Eustace has vertigo, and he's a deathly afraid of heights. And so he's like, ah, woo, woo, woo. But Jill has no problem with heights, and in fact, she kinda, she's kind of loving this, and she's on the edge, kind of showing off and doing all this stuff, but it is so high up that even Jill gets dizzy, and she kind of stumbles and trying to right herself, and Eustace sees this, and he jumps out, and he, he tries to, to lurch out and bring her back, and he flips over her and falls down the canyon, Woo! screaming the whole way, Rah! all the way down, <laughs> Jill. Jill's like, what just happened? And she turns around, and there's this gigantic lion behind her. You know who the lion is? Aslan, he's the the son of the emperor from the sea, far on the other side of the sea. And he's this golden lion. Uh, Somebody described it, that C.S. Lewis said it's like a statue that was in London Square that was so large, 40 children could sit on the back of of this lion. That's how big Aslan is. Has his mouth wide open. He's the, he's the theme through all the different Narnia Chronicles. He's he's really got this likeness to Jesus. And here's this lion. And she looks around, and she does what would be appropriate for anybody at this time. She falls on the ground starts crying. Just crying there. And C.S. Lewis has this great words come out of Aslan, and he says, you know, when... Uh, Crying's okay for for a while, while it lasts. It, you uh, you got to stop sometime, and then you got to decide what to do. And so Jill finally gets back up, she quits crying, and finds out she is she's dreadfully thirsty. She is so thirsty she can't take it. She looks around, she hears this little trickle of a stream, and she takes off toward the stream just to get a drink of water and. There's Aslan again, this huge lion standing by there. And she just holds up and goes, whoa, 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 whoa. And he goes, are you thirsty? And she goes, oh, dreadfully thirsty. Well, come and drink. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know about that. Will you, will you go away and not come and drink? And he doesn't say anything. He just kind of sits down and growls. And C.S. Lewis says he might as well try tried to move a whole mountain as move Aslan. And then he looks at her, and she's getting frantic because she's so thirsty. And he says, come and drink. Well, will I be all right? No promises, Aslan says. But do you, do you eat girls? And he said, oh, let me tell you, I've consumed girls and boys, women and men, kings and emperors, cities and realms. And she goes, oh, well, uh, I think I'll go find another stream. And I love this. He says, there are no other streams that's John 14 there are no other streams dying for thirst dying of thirst just something that just something to, to somehow satiate my thirst but oh that streams dangerous but there's no other stream Listen to the the buildup of this in John, the 14th chapter. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me. That where I am, you may be also. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And just to kind of ease it up a little bit, let me just tell you kind of partial into that story because I know you're going like, well, what happened to the poor girl? <laughs> so she finally decides she's going to, She's, going to, she's so thirsty, she's going to get a drink anyway. She's. I'm going to die anyway. I'm going to go get a drink. And she goes and she moves towards Aslan and he kind of steps aside. She gets this big handful of water and just, just as it touches her lips, it satiates her thirst. It's the coldest water she's ever tasted. It's the tastiest water she's ever tasted. It just immediately, it's all she needed. She looks at him and he looks at her and his eyes go down and she, he says human child where's the boy <laughs> and she goes he he fell over the edge of the cliff he fell over the edge of the cliff yeah why well i i got too close to the edge and i was showing off you were showing off human child yes and he just says this don't do that anymore And then he says, with my breath, I blew Eustace to Narnia. He's okay. And then with his breath, he blows Jill to Narnia. And they meet up again in Narnia. And then their adventure really gets good. You can read the book on your own from there. I love that story. I love that story. Aren't we all a little bit thirsty Aren't we a lot a bit thirsty? The disciples, I think they would they would be described as thirsty in these words. their, their hearts were troubled. It's, these are guys with troubled hearts. Anybody here with a troubled heart? It's kind of interesting that they would have troubled hearts. These are the guys that now have been with Jesus for three years. I mean, you just go through the Book of John. There have been heart troubles. I mean. Jesus' mother's heart was troubled at the very first wedding that he invites, she invites her son to. The wine runs out. It's an embarrassment to everybody. And she saddles up to Jesus and tells the problem, no, I'm so troubled, I don't know what we're going to do. And Jesus says, no problem, bring, just bring some water. And he changes the water into wine and there's no more trouble. He's with these same disciples out on a boat, huge storm. I think it was Hurricane Matthew or Mark. Or Luke, I don't remember. Maybe Anyway, it was this huge storm, and they wake him up. They're troubled. What are we going to do? And he just says, peace, be still. And their troubled hearts, as well as the storm, is calmed. One time they had to feed 5,000 people. They were out of food. It was getting dark. Where do we turn? What do we do? They're troubled on how do you feed? And there could be a riot with all these people. They're going to get so hungry. They don't. Jesus takes a couple fish and some loaves of bread, and boom, the troubled souls are eased. Four days, a guy in a grave, and Jesus shows up. The full, full family's troubled. Everybody's troubled. They love Lazarus, and he raises him from the dead. These are guys that if no one should be troubled, these are the guys that shouldn't be troubled. But they had just heard Jesus say, I, "You know, I'm not going to be here with you very much longer." Wait, 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 wait. Time out, Jesus. What do you mean you're not going to be here much longer? I mean, when you're here, it's okay. But where you? What do you mean not much longer? You mean like in like ten or twenty years you're going to be gone or something? no friday i'm leaving friday well we gave our heart we are all in with you we left our businesses we left our families we left our future we left our bank accounts we left everything to follow you everything we you are the messiah you're going to bring you're going to bring your kingdom back in here. This Roman government's going to fall. We're not going to have to put up all this junk that we stole. There's not going to be soldiers on every corner anymore. We're not going to be enslaved to this empire one more day. You are going to bring in this kingdom. What do you mean you're going? Well, can we go with you? No. You're right. It's going to get bad. You're going to be in a lot of trouble. It's not going to be easy for you. But i got to go. Well, no wonder their hearts are troubled. And he just says, would you just calm down for a minute? Let me tell you why not to be troubled. You believe in me. You believe in God, the Father. Believe also in me. Here's what I want you to hear today. For some of you that have hearts that are troubled, faith is always the remedy for troubled hearts. Always. The same Jesus who took care of all those things, he's got a plan still. And here's what he wants to tell him. My father has a house with many rooms. And here's what I want you to know. I'm going to prepare a place for you that when I go away and do what I need to do, I'm going to come back for you, and you're, I'm, going to, I'm going to take you into me. And your hearts will not be troubled anymore. Don't worry about it. I mean, just think about that for a minute. Let's say There's a place. And we usually think of heaven. I do this this message all the time for funerals. There's a place. There's a heaven. And we describe heaven. It could be like a country. It could be it could be like a kingdom. It could be like a city. It could be like paradises, which is my favorite idea of what heaven is. Parad- it's a lot of golf courses with a bunch of ocean, you know, and, and chocolate. And it's you know, that's that's kind of heaven for me. But he says, let me let me tell you about this place. It's more like a it's more like a house. It's not a hotel for guests. It's a house of my father. It's a home. It's not for those passing through. It's for his children. It's a place of safety. It's a place where you won't be thirsty anymore. It's a place to be home. What he's basically saying, you're not home now. I don't know if you ever thought about this before. I mean, Awatuki is kind of a nice place. It's just not heaven. It's not home. You know why it's not home? Because you always need more and more and more and more and more and more and more to satisfy yourself. brother. more money, more pleasure, more recreation, more relationships, More. you need more. When you're home, you don't need anything more. You're safe. You're not thirsty anymore. You're satiated. This is not home. I'm going to prepare a home for you. Now, think about preparing this place. Don't think of hammer and nails. He's not going to go like, oh, I got to add another room to the Father's house. What are you claiming? Oh, it's in disrepair. Oh, I got to get the maids in there, and we got to get all the angels going through. We got work to do to get ready. Don't think of it as building. Here's what he's saying it's there. That place is ready for you. But I've got to go prepare it because you can't get there yet. I've got to prepare it because there's a chasm between you and it, between a home and where you're at. There's this huge chasm which is basically separated by death and sin. Now, there's going to be a hammer and nails involved here, but it's not to build the house. It's for me to go to the cross, and I'm going to prepare the way. I'm going to prepare this place. I'm going to work at it. I've got got a job to do. I'm going to kill death is what I'm going to do. I'm going to the cross, and I'm going to die that death dies with me. And I'm going to go to the cross, and I'm going to eradicate sin. I'm going to cover sin. So that this, this thing that's keeping you from home in the Father, it's gone forever. Once I do my work, I've got, to, I've got a lot of work to do in the next couple of days, but I'm going to the cross, and I'm going to prepare it for you. And then he switches gears. He talks about this place. He talks about this preparation that's happening. And then he says, This, basically, I'm I'm the room. I'm the one you, I'm the one you indwell in. I'm gonna go to this place. I'm gonna get it all prepared. Sin and death are gonna be gone. And I'm gonna come get you, and I'm gonna bring you where I am, is that where I am you may be also, where where I am is home. Where I am is heaven. What what is heaven? It's it's the presence of Jesus Christ. What's the presence of Jesus Christ? It's heaven. I am that room that you'll be in. And so when I go, I've got some work to do yet. But then you and I will be together forever. And as he lays this out, he goes, you know what I'm talking about? You know know the way? You know the place where I'm, I'm going and I love Thomas. Thomas says, Lord, uh, no, we don't. I, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. I don't know. I mean, you're always talking in all these riddles and parables. I, I, I mean, you place and presence and where are you going? I, I'm hard. I, I don't know. I, don't you love Thomas? It makes me feel a lot better about myself. I." Don't have a clue what you're talking about. Can you explain a little bit here, please? And he goes, okay, here's here's what I'm trying to say for dummies and Thomases. (laughs) Thomas, look at me in the eyes. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one goes to the Father but through me. I am the way. You know when the Christians first got started, they weren't called Christians. Christian is a de- derogatory term for those who followed Christ, those trying to be like Christ, Christ, little, little Christ-like people, little Christians. Before that, they called themselves the followers of the way, the people of the way. There's a way, the Bible says, that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. His way's differently, different. There's a way. On the way. When I was growing up, I grew up in Southern California in the in the valley. I'm an old Valley boy, San Fernando Valley. And there was a huge church there that still exists called The Way. Church on the Way. Pastor Jack Hayford. Everybody was just overcome with this church. But it was, it was constantly... saying, and it, and it was basically a church of former hippies. I grew up in the 60s and 70s. Former hippies who used to go around. Everything was peace. Two fingers. You had a peace sign on your shirt. You had two fingers, you know, a little patch on your, on your jacket or on your jeans. Peace because of the Vietnam War and all that kind of... Peace, peace, peace. And then something interesting happened all of a sudden. One of the fingers went away. And it was, it was a good finger that, that went away, actually. And so it soon, soon became... One way. Everything was one way. I mean, the people who were the farthest from God all of a sudden said, not only is there a way, there's one way, one way. And people would stand up. The the songs you sing, you sing because there's a group of people who said there's one way. And they started a whole revolution of the way we worship and a whole revolution of the way we sing. There's one way, 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 there's one way. Jesus said, not I am a way, he says I am The way. And now, today, in our culture, we go, ooh, that's kind of (laughs) harsh. What? We think of it more like there's this mountain. We're all at the bottom of the mountain, and God is at the top of the mountain. And there are all kinds of little different trails. There's all kinds of different ways that go up there. And you take your way, and I'll take my way, and let him or her take her way. And we'll all meet at the top. Who are you to say your way is better? Who is this, this? This, is this is so foreign to what Jesus is saying. I am, I am the way. I can you imagine the committee that got together, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're plotting out the whole, the whole universe. Um, I really want to save the world. God the Father says, um, I, my idea is, Jesus, you go down to Earth, and teach and preach and do miracles and stuff, and then. I am going to torture you like you ain't ever thought of. I am going to just, I'm going to, I'm going to not only torture you, I'm going to throw all the guilt and shame I can throw on you, and then you're going to go to the cross, which is the absolute worst thing you can ever do. It's the most painful thing. Your skin's going to melt from you. You can't even breathe it, and you're going to die, but that's going to save everybody. And I got this other idea. We could go to the beach and have margaritas and just kind of think about what good thoughts we can think about. <laughs> And we could or we have another group that just does a lot of good things. And we could have another group that does a lot of charity stuff. And we're all going to get to heaven. And some people are just going to chant. All they got to do is chant. Some people are going to hum. Some people can just look at their navel. <laughs> Sorry about the short straw, Jesus, but that's what you got. Now, why in the world would Jesus go to the cross if there are all these other ways? It's so much easier, so much more fun. No, Jesus said, <laughs> I mean, we're worried about whether God's just to us by this one way thing. Think, would he be just to his own son if there's hundreds of ways to get there or scores of ways to get there? But yeah, sorry, Jesus. You're, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty radical price to pay. I'm the way. And then he says, I'm the truth. The truth. The truth, caution says Jesus is the is the invisible, or is the is the image of the invisible God. You want to know what God's like? I'm I don't know what all. I mean, he's he's infinite, but but what you need to know about God, Jesus embodies it. He's the he's the image of the invisible God. He is he is the standard. He is the truth. He is the way. He is he is he's the plumb line. He's He's what you need to know about about God, and he's the righteousness that it takes to atone for our sin. He's he's the price that's been paid. He's the sacrifice that's been paid, and his life, his righteousness is perfect. Now, here's here's how we judge most of our... Here's how how I'm thinking God's going to like me or love me or give me favor or give me to heaven or whatever. He's going to He's going to take a look at my righteousness, my self-righteousness, my, my trying to do enough good things, keep enough laws, climb enough of the ladder so that he'll look at me and he'll hopefully judge my self-righteousness versus your unrighteousness. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. I hope any grades on a curve. I'm not quite perfect, but I'm better than you. I hope. At least I'm better than Shelly. Anybody na- named Shelly in here? You know Shelley. She speaks with a forked tongue. She's wicked. She's evil. She does, you know her. I'm better than her at least. I don't think she's going to make it to heaven, but I'm better than, than Ralph. Any Ralphs in here? You know how bad Ralph is. You know, so, so if I just take, if my self-righteousness is better than your unrighteousness, God must love me. A, I got a ticket to heaven just because I'm not as bad as some. I mean, in a more crass way, that's kind of what our political... Thing it's come down to? I'm a pretty lousy guy, but I'm not as bad as Hillary. I'm a pretty lousy lady, but I'm not as bad as Donald, so vote for me. It's not that I'm good. It's not that I've got... It's just I'm not as bad as him. That's our choices. That's it. Here's, here's, what, here's what the Bible says about your self-righteousness and my self-righteousness. It's like filthy rags compared to the righteousness of Christ. That's kind of bad news. No, it's kind of good news. Because the righteousness of Christ, that the truth is the truth. The righteousness of Christ then is imputed to us that if we repent, if we admit we need him, if we believe in him, he gives us his righteousness so that when God looks at us, he doesn't view our righteousness, he doesn't try to... See who has the worst or the best, righteousness or unrighteousness. He sees the righteousness of Christ. He looks at you and sees Christ. That's the truth. And that leads to life. And Jesus says, I am the life. Now you know he's the life. You know that. I mean, at least, there's probably probably all kinds of different um, levels of maturity in, in, in your Christian walk today, but probably most of you have come to the place where I believed enough, hopefully, to get me to heaven. You know, I got fire insurance. I, I trust him for eternal life. I don't know about the rest of life. I don't know about everything, but I, I you know, I, I, I prayed the prayer. I raised my hand. I walked the walk. I did whatever I needed to do. To, and, and, and that's true. Got, that gets you eternal life. But what Jesus is saying is, you're here, here's your house, here's eternal life. You trust him for eternal life. Would you, would you trust him for all of life? Because I'm that life. Would you follow me? Would you let my life live in your life? Would you let your life be patterned in my life? Can our life intertwine? Can you trust your life to the life giver? Can you live Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and on in the life of Christ? Can you follow? Not because it's going to earn your way to heaven. Not because you're going to be so obedient that God is going to be so pleased with you through your obedience. But it's just the best way to live. It's the healthiest way to live. It's what satiates your thirst. It's what allows you to recognize, oh, I'm at peace. I can rest. I don't have to rest in what I'm doing. I can rest in what Jesus did. That's life at its best. Jesus said, I, I'm that life. The way, the truth, the life. Then he, I mean, we're all with him. We're shaking our head. Yeah, go, go, Jesus. Then he had to throw that in. He just just had to throw that little tagline in. Ah, you want to go home? There's only one way home. Jesus. Way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And you're sitting here going, um, can't we have Alan back next week? <laughs> Where, where'd they get this guy? Who does he think he is coming into this church this size? We got all this going on. This is 2016. Did you pull this guy out of the backwoods of Arkansas somewhere? Is he from the Stone Ages? Doesn't he know better than to, to have the audacity to say something like that in this culture, in this world, in this place? Do you really believe, Don? Do you really believe that Jesus is the only way It's the good thing about being the guest speaker. I can just get out of here. (laughs) But let me tell you this. I do believe that. I do believe that. I do believe that. (laughs) Let me tell you why. In our culture, when we try to figure this whole thing out, there's, 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 there's two main ingredients that we have to deal with. And it's not like every road is going the same direction, every way is going the same direction, all head up here. There is the way, Jesus, and every other religion, philosophy, thought, whatever, cult, whatever you want to, every other one is direct opposite of John 14. It's antithetical to John 14. And it's stamped with basically this one label, moralistic deism, moralistic deism. If I do enough stuff, if I do enough good things, don't do too many bad things, I will please the God, whatever you want to call him, the spirit, the power, whatever. If I do enough good things, i have enough karma, I'll have enough... Or I'll have, an, whatever, I'll reach a certain level of spirituality. If I do enough good things, at least I won't come back as a cockroach. You know, I, whatever you want. I, if I do enough good things, I reach this. Even the Christian religion can fall into this. Even Christian religion can fall into moralistic deism where I'm working my way to try to gain my salvation. Jesus, it's not what you do, what you do, what you do. It's what's been done. And the presence of Christ that he pulls us into in that relationship makes all the difference. Moralistic deism, here's the problem with that. Here's what I know about you. I've been here enough to know, most of you at least. You're not good at being good. You're really not. You're, you're good at pretending. You're good at projecting. But if we really dug down, there'd be a lot of you that would say, you know what? If people really knew what was going on in here, I'm a fraud. I'm projecting like everything. I'm, I'm acting like I've got this all going, but I've, I've got stuff. I've got stuff nobody knows. i got stuff I'm holding down here. I would never, I'd never let the church people know about it. It's, it's in here. We're, we're not good at being good. You still don't believe me. Let, let me just t- do a little quick quiz with you. The Ten Commandments. You, may, you know the Ten Commandments. It does talk about lying, so yeah, you're right. You don't know the Ten Commandments. <laughs> and I'm not going to quiz you on that, so you don't have to Google it or anything or whatever. Or, you know, but let me just kinda, let me just kind of go through this a little bit with the Ten Commandments. Have you ever put anything or any person above your love for God? Anything or any person? I mean, think of your, think of your checkbook, think of your calendar, think of your house, think of your possessions, think of the people that you are close. anybody above God? Uh, that's called an idol. We're talking about the lying part. Have any of you ever lied? Or is this the first one when you're saying no? <laughs> I mean, I know you're not a liar, but you just sometimes lie. You know, I love the election. So-and-so's lying. So-and-so's lying. Someone's a lying line. Of course they are. Come to our church. We'll show you some real liars. You know, to think that's... Yeah. How about, have you ever stolen anything? I'm glad we already took the offering, but any of you ever steal something? Just, you know, a little pencil or a grape? You ever go by grape and (laughs) you're a thief you ever kind of get excited when something bad happens to somebody that you don't really like and you get upset when something good's happened to somebody that they don't deserve and you're like I can't believe that's coveting you ever commit adultery Jesus said, even if you lust after somebody, you've committed adultery. Please don't raise your hand, but you ever murder anybody? <laughs> even if you're angry, Jesus said. So I don't even have to go through the whole 10, I just have a feeling, probably most of you are, oh, for whatever. <laughs> so you're gonna go before a righteous God. Oh, for for, just just the 10. He's got hundreds of these things. Just the top 10. You're going, uh, no, no, no. Can I get a participation ribbon? Because no. (laughs) You're not good at being good. There's not a God of any religions that's going to be that (laughs) impressed with that kind of thing. You're just hoping you're better than the person sitting on, on the other side of the room from you. That's all. Moralistic deism, there's no, there's no hope for that. And every other religion falls into that. Even, even non-religions falls into that. Why is Jesus the only way? If he's not the only way, he, he's just a big liar. It's just a big lie. Because he doesn't give you that choice. It's diametrically opposed from everything else that's on this earth. Second thing is there's, in our culture, this radical individualism that's come up. Now, Individualism's good, Christianity has a lot to do with us being this individual type person. We used to be just masses of people, and then suddenly started realizing the value of God, the image of God is on somebody, and, and we started to re- recognize there's value that I have as an individual person, but it's gone completely the other way. In- individualism is like, whoa, everything's, individualism is so radicalized now that you would, you would hear this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you would go, who in the world has the right to tell me that? I call those shots. I'll tell you who the way is. I'll tell you the truth. I'll tell you the, the, the life. I'll tell you what. And God has been brought down and self has been brought up so that individualism now, now influences everything, interprets everything sometimes even, sometimes even defrays not only truth but reality. And we can't do anything about that because who, who are we to say that you don't have that right? And so in our culture, I, I read the other day that there's, these, there's this group of people called transhumans, and they, their, their main idea is they, they take off body parts and put on like robotic, mechanical things. Cut your arm off, put on a robot, you know, and then what, different organs and whatever they can do. Because they, they think that, they are, that their greatest goal in life is to become a cyborg. You know, they are gonna be these machines that that's, that's reached the, the thing. And um, I don't wanna hurt anybody's feelings. That's not normal. That, that may be real close to mental illness, I, but I, I don't want to say that because if I say that, I've committed the greatest sin of our culture intolerance. Like, I'm going, like, listen, brother, you, you're broken. You need, you need some help. If you, if you want to be a machine, if you want to be a robot, you need some help. Well, you're a bigot. No, really, I'm not. Bring your metal arm and we'll have a cup of WD-40 at my house. You know, I'm, I just want to help you. And some of you are like, you're, un- you're a little uncomfortable with me even talking about this. Because maybe God created them to be cyborgs. And I, I don't know. If, if you're that way and you, you're upset, Send an email to Greg Battle this week, and he'd we, we become so individual that the self has taken the place of God, so that now to hear I am the way and truth and life, we go, well. No, I don't. I just don't, I can't go there. I don't believe that. I think that's not true. It's our culture. And I think. That somewhere above myself is a person who is the way, and is the truth, and is the life. And I think that it's not judgmental, it's not arrogant, it's not angry, it's grace. That even though it's a a scandalous way to heaven to think there's only... Only this one way. It is is wide open in generosity to the whole world. It's inviting everyone to come. That the road you're going on is not taking you home. The road you're going on is not going to satiate your thirst. The road you're going on is not going to get you where you want to go. But if if you'll just look at the way, the truth, and the life, it's not what you're doing and trying to do. God is coming to rescue you. That's how much he loves you. But he cares for you. The Bible talks about a man who had enough of, of 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 his of his dad. He wanted his inheritance. He took off running, got the inheritance, went to the far country, spent it on wine, women, and song. It didn't take long to to waste everything. Woke up one day in the pig's pen, wishing that he had some of the pig food in the mud and the. Nasty garbage that pigs wallow in. And finally, the Bible says he wakened up. He, he awoke. He, he came to his senses and he said, I got to get back home. This, this is ridiculous. I got to get back home. I got to go home. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. There's nothing better than this. I'm gonna go and I will do whatever dad wants to do. I don't care what the list is of chores that, that I rejected before, that I was so tired of. In fact, I, I, don't, even, I don't even deserve the family list. I'm gonna to go to the servant's corner. I'll be a servant for him. Give me that list. I'll work and work and work and work. It's gotta be better than being in the pigsty. And so he, he gets up and he's heading home and he's practicing his words of repentance and sorrow and, and he, he's, just, he's still covered in all this pig slop. And as he's coming over the hill, his dad, from the house, sees him and runs to meet him. And before he gets a word out of "I'm sorry, I changed, I'll do whatever," his dad before he ever gets a word out, his dad just grabs a hold of his face and starts hugging him and kissing him. Dirty, filthy, smelly pig, urine, pig mud, pig yuck, kissing him. Now I'm a granddad, and every now and again, my grandkids get stuff coming out of their nose. I I don't touch him. Here's this guy. He's he's just hugging them. holding on to him, just holding on. My son's come home. You come home. I got a new robe for you. We'll get you out of this mess. I've got a ring for you. I don't care what you've blown. I've got all my stuff for you still. We're going to have a feast. We're gonna have a party. The music's so loud, the neighbor's gonna hear. Music's so loud, you're you're a grumpy old brother out there is gonna hear it even. He's gonna come running back in the house because you were lost and now you're found. You're home. You're home. You're home. Every other religion, the Father would never come down to that level. Jesus is where. The bridge of God the Father and that that son meet. Where the way and the truth and the life come together at the point where they start hugging the neck of you. That's that's Jesus. That's the presence of Jesus. That's grace. That's what he's done. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do. It's there and it's, it's the way back to the Father. It's the way the Father reconnects. It's the way you go home. So, as we close, some of you are, you're a prodigal. You've been on the way. You know the way. You've just somehow got sidelined. You got distracted on a different way. You know the truth. You were raised in the church, or you had a camp experience, or somewhere if you Weeks ago, months ago, years ago, in church, you you accepted the truth. You've just kind of, kind of just put it on the shelf for a while. You're you're living not by the truth. You're living by yourself on your own way. You know the life. You had the life. You may even have the life. But here's what here's the way we would describe your life. Your heart is troubled. You're thirsty. You. You want more of what you already got thinking that's going to give you something. But life that gets satisfied through Christ is a life that not only is about heaven, it's about every day of the week. Would you follow me, Jesus said. Would you follow me? Would you live with me? We're going to sing a song here as we close. But as we do, I would like to just give you an opportunity to say, yeah, I'm, I'm back on the way. I want to follow. I wonder if, if, if that's you today. I, you know, sometimes we have our eyes closed and we're afraid that you. I wonder if you would just boldly say, you know what? Don, if you're going to pray, pray for me. I'm, I'm going to pray with you. I, I, I'm jumping back on. God bless you. God bless you. Somebody else over here. I'm back on. God bless you guys. Back there. bless you. I see you in the front. Anybody? I see you guys. God bless you guys. How about over here? Bless you. I love bunches. Uh, way in, in the cheap seats back there. You got hands up there. We're, we're following, man. We're following. I'm back on the way. How about over here? Following. God bless you. So you stand with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, I can't believe your grace. I can't believe that after the way we do our own thing that you would still chase after us. I can't believe that even though Jesus once walked on this earth and is now in heaven, he comes back in his spirit, and it's so real in the presence of your church like this morning. This is the morning the resurrected Christ is looking for hands and looking for hearts and looking for lives, and you change us. I pray that the prayer that was offered by a raised hand would be more than, than just some kind of thing to do. I, I pray that, that there would be a stake drawn in the land, in the, in, the, in, the, in the timeline of each individual that did that. And it's follow Jesus from now on. That you would forgive wrong choices and sin and rebellion and, and selfishness and all the things we list. All our shortcomings with the Ten Commandments. It just tells us and reminds us, we need a Savior. Thank you for your grace. We reach out and we receive the gift that you give us of Jesus. And heaven touches earth this morning on October 9th. Heaven, the presence of Christ, heaven touches earth. Heaven lives in each heart that's given themselves over to you. Heaven now, heaven tomorrow heaven forever to the glory of Jesus. And everybody said, amen.